Hi there, we're your IP consultants. This is about to be highly indulgent. So sit back and unpack your anti-convulsants. And we'll tell you where to shove your Stanleys and Vulcans. We'll use this device for unsolicited advice. You didn't ask us for it, but you can't beat the price. We offer up our services from the U.S. to Sweden. We're your IP consultants, Vincent and Ian. Welcome, everyone. We are your IP consultants. My name is Ian. And I'm Vincent. And we are here to give you all the advice you never asked for on your favorite IPs. That you own. That you own, clearly. We are assuming that the people listening to this podcast are, are owning studios and... Uh, yes, clearly. And ho- you know, holding property. New Line Cinema saw that The Mask was the title of the last episode and they went, Ooh, we're intrigued. Let's click and find out what these consultants, these highly professional individuals, have to say about our property oh yes that episode which we have not yet released but we're assuming (laughs) (laughs) well the moment it's released new line is gonna jump on it and they're gonna they're gonna contact us and they're gonna be like okay we're gonna talk to to adi (laughs) and we're gonna talk to 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 um taylor it's gonna be great yes we're (laughs) we're gonna see if we can secure daniel radcliffe for those two episodes yep we like your marketing ideas you guys, thank you for your consultation, your highly unsolicited advice. Yep, that's that's the plan. So that is the plan. But this week, we're going to talk about a thing that's happening, and that's Sony's decision to make Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man. Right. And the, Sony, the Sony Marvel deal is complicated. Uh, it's very complicated. I, gonna, Sony I'm, still I'm, owns the rights to Spider-Man with Marvel. They co-own it now, or at least they're owning him to Marvel. Yeah, I believe Sony owns the movie rights to Spider-Man. Spider-Man as a comic and as a as a character is owned by Marvel. Clearly. But the license for the movie rights are still with Sony, but they're in a joint collaborative deal with Marvel Studios to work together on the creative side of the Spider-Man movies, and in return, Marvel gets to borrow Spider-Man for their crossover movies. Yeah, and and the Spider-Man movies that Sony is doing now are being released in conjunction with Marvel. That's why they're still in the MCU, but they're produced by Sony. Right. But they're also doing, since they still have the rights to Spider-Man and all his associated characters... They're making movies with those associated characters, and they're making them Spider-Man-less. Right. I I have, for the record, not seen Venom. I just saw Venom last night, and it is definitely a movie. Well, that, that's, that's more than you can say for a lot of movies. This is true. Some movies are questionably a movie, and we have talked about some on this podcast. That we have. <laughs> But uh, so Venom, let's get into that real quick. Or I guess it's just me getting into that since you haven't seen it. Right. I can only speak of it in theory. Yeah. Venom, all reports beforehand that I heard said it is a decent superhero movie if it was made in the early 2000s, like the first X-Men 
or Daredevil. And I can see why they said that. There are insane pacing issues with this movie. Mm. In the first 15 minutes, everything happens. Everything? It's bizarre. In the first 15 minutes, we establish the characters, and then we change everything about those characters immediately. Oh, that's that's got to be a nice little change of pace. Just like what, what's going on in their fundamental life structure. And then it jumps six months later. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, it's... We goddamn ridiculous. And then I mean, it's more it's more helpful than jumping six months earlier. That's true, I suppose. But literally in the first 15 minutes, everything happens. A space shuttle crashes. We meet Eddie Brock. We meet his fiance. He does something stupid. He loses his job. She gets fired. They split up six months later. And then it drags. We have 15 minutes of oh, holy shit. Here's everything. And then six, uh, a card that says six months later, and it's slow plotting, getting to things. And then when we finally get to the point where something happens again, and Eddie gets introduced to the symbiote, which, you know, we all know the story of Venom. Symbiote? Uh, symbiote. S- symbiote. Symbiote? <laughs> symbiote. Symbiote. You know what? They say it four different ways in the movie. <laughs> Uh, well, they, so they, say, they said in the trailer, they said symbiote, which they overdubbed in the movie because people complained about that. Do they still say it like uh, we call them uh, symbiotes or did they did they change that as well? Because that's a ridiculous line that I'd like to unpack. There is a total of at least a minimum of 100 ridiculous lines in this movie. But like, do, do they pretend that they invented the word symbiote for these things specifically? No, they don't pretend that they invented the word symbiote. Okay, so they, they acknowledge that that symbiote is already a word. They say it's a symbiotic relationship, so. Good, because in the trailer, it's like, we call them symbiotes, and it's like, you can't just call them symbiotes. <laughs> they either are or they're not. It's like, oh, we call them vegetarians. No, they're vegetarians because they eat vegetables. You call them that based on how they live. It's not a name. You know that line in the trailer where where Eddie turns into Venom and eats the guy at the little bodega and he apologizes to the woman? Oh, I'm sorry, I have a parasite. I, that's because Eddie's told he has a parasite. Uh, that's literally not what a symbiote is. No, not at all. Well, that's, that's because the doctors who told him that didn't know he had a symbiote. So... <laughs> It's different doctors than the ones at, at Life Foundation. It's a whole thing. By the way, the, the, the trailer you just described, I must have missed it because that did not sound familiar. Oh, yeah, that's at the end of the trailer where he grabs a, a guy robbing a bodega by the neck. and He goes, I'm going to eat your arms uh, and then your face and your legs and you will be this nothing, this torso rolling down the street like a turd in the wind, which is the greatest awful line ever. I, I'm impressed. I'm declaring it the greatest awful line ever because the line is so ridiculously stupid, it's incredible. Okay. Why would this line be scripted, let alone said, featured in a trailer, get ridiculed for being in the trailer, and then stay in the fucking movie? Uh, good, good question. <laughs> it's amazing, and it's ridiculous, and I kind of loved it because of how ridiculous it is. I don't know if I liked the movie as a whole or not. There's so many points in that movie where I laughed out loud at parts that aren't supposed to be funny. Like, for example, spoiler alert for people, if you haven't seen 
the movie yet, they introduce a character that's very familiar to Venom fans at the end. of. Okay, I know who it is just based on you saying that, but okay. Like, I feel like I can guess it. Okay, yeah. And the actor playing the character is wearing an awful wig. Awful. He looks like Ronald McDonald's illegitimate love child. That's fun. It's terrible. Everybody loves clowns. Yeah, I guess. Uh, man, they keep trying to set things up with it. And that that's that tiny scene is like it's a very famous actor playing him in a in what is an essentially a cameo at the end of this movie. It's the after credit scene. Is it Neil Patrick Harris? No. Is it Jensen Ackles? No. OK, I'm just naming actors we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. No, no, this is uh, they, they announced this when they when they started casting for the movie. And they said this was cast in the movie and nobody knew who he's playing. And they all assumed that that was who he's playing. And he is. But it's in one sequence. And then when the credits roll, he gets like fifth billing, mm. even though he had that one tiny scene. And the thing about it is that scene is set up like you're supposed to know who he is. Like if you're a comic reader, obviously, you know who he is. But if not, they never established this guy at any point in the movie. And they don't give enough information to make it interesting. No, 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 no. At the end of the movie, they don't have him give the the, the Sam Jackson uh, you're part of a bigger thing speech. No, 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 no. The whole thing is, is Eddie's going to him to interview him. And Eddie alludes to this interview before the before the credits. He goes, you know, I've actually lined up a, a really awesome interview. And his uh, fiance is like, well, who is it? And he's like, well, I can't tell you. You're just going to have to read it. And we're all supposed to say, oh, who's he got an interview with? And nobody cared because he didn't establish anything about this character before. Mm. And then when we see this interview, we're like, who the hell is this guy? Except that, you know, comic readers know this. But it's the pacing in the whole movie is so erratic. Like it starts out and like, you know, it got 15 minutes. Everything happens. Then you've got a lull of nothing. And then you've got an action scene where he gets the symbiote, which admittedly, these action scenes are pretty decent, I will admit. But then it's like a flurry of shit. And then it's dead nothing again. And then it's the climax of the movie. Mm. <laughs> There's this one long action sequence that basically just leads up to here's four action sequences in a row that basically culminate to being this is the end of the movie. It's just so weirdly paced. So it's a bit lumpy, in other words. A bit lumpy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a good way of putting it. And so this was Sony's first, or yeah, Sony's first outing as making a Spider-Man-less Spider-Man-associated movie. And it's done well. It's been number one at the box office for the past two weeks as of this recording. And because of that, they've decided to move forward with their other slated Spider-Manless movies. Can I guess them now? Uh, you can. You can. Yes. OK, so first, first of all, they were gonna back in the Andrew Garfield, Mark Webb days. They were gonna make the Sinister Six movie, which they were alluding to at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2. Right. Yes. Uh, Drew Goddard was going to do that. Um, and then he ended up not doing that because they completely abandoned that franchise. Right. And he went over to do something else. I think he, at that point, ended up helping out with Transformers planning or something. I don't know. Uh, but he's done some done stuff awesome. since and a good place. And, you know, yeah, he's he's got stuff going on and new movie in theaters. And, yeah, he's, he's doing OK. Little side note, uh, Bad Times at the Al Royale. Go see that. It's amazing. Drew Goddard wrote and directed that. And it's awesome. So right. anyway, yeah. I mean, everybody loves Drew Goddard. Yes. <laughs> My favorite TV show. <laughs> Yes, with uh, Brad Garrett. For some so, okay, so that movie not happening, uh, but they were going to make Black and Silver or Silver and Black, which was going to be Black Cat and Silver Sable, and that got 
split in two is that right yeah yeah so so well before before they announced black and silver rumor had leaked that they were planning an aunt may solo movie i'm gonna let that hang in the air for a second right i'm i'm trying to imagine what that would be about at all so is everyone the word got out the word leaked out that they were planning an aunt may solo movie and people were like what the hell really and sony was like no 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 we're not we're not doing that. And then that whole Sony email thing happened. And there definitely was an email where they were saying, we should do an anime solo movie. Uh, in, you know, the whole thing that also had the emails of combining the 21 Jump Street and Men in Black franchises. Right. And and the 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 very solid statement that that Peter Parker absolutely has to be a white straight guy. Yeah. Uh, that was an official uh, uh, policy. Everything about that whole Sony thing. Yeah, okay. It was a clusterfuck, and the anime movie was a thing that they were definitely planning, and they they thankfully realized it was stupid. I'm I'm trying I'm trying I'm trying at all to think of anything that anybody could pitch that would be an Aunt May movie. And it's like I want there to be an idea for what a good Aunt May movie because it's such a challenge. I like I love a good challenge. It's supposed to be a spy movie. Why? She's not a spy. No, but Peter's parents were right, and it was supposed to be so associated along with her and the parents because there's that whole storyline that was in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, and they were trying to connect that shit. Right. So yeah, it was ill-conceived and thankfully dropped. And as you said, they were doing Silver and Black, which is Silver Sable and Black Cat, or Black and Silver, I think is what it was called. And so the plan was always to have that be Black Cat and Silver Sable in a movie together. And now since Venom, they are thinking of splitting that up into a Black Cat solo movie and a Silver Sable solo movie and then having them team up in a movie. I I feel like the... The weird thing about that is, I mean, those those characters are obviously Spider-Man characters. Very, very Spider-Man centric. But they've all both had their own solo series. Right. Yes. After being established as Spider-Man characters. And it's very it's very Suicide Squad to me to be doing like spinoffs of stuff that hasn't happened in the continuity. Like you established the character as like a villain or an anti-hero or something to to exist in the world of the character. And then you spin them off like that's how a spinoff works. But like these backwards spinoffs, I don't entirely understand the thought behind them, because how is the audience supposed to connect it to Spider-Man if they just don't have Spider-Man? Well, that's the thing. They're not supposed to, what what they're hoping the audience is doing is not connecting it to Spider-Man at first. They're establishing them as their own characters first to eventually, I guess, be introduced into the Spider-Man mythos. In the films, that's what I think their thinking is behind it, because the character of Black Cat and the character of Silver Silver Sable, they didn't require Spider-Man in order to be invented. Right. They were invented to be a foil for that character, but they weren't their their origin isn't hinged upon knowledge of Spider-Man. Right. So so you 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 believe that they can stand on their own as movies? I do think that they can stand on their own because they've had they've both had solo comic series that have stood on their own that didn't have Spider-Man in them. 
Sure, he showed up in an issue. And that didn't build off previously established continuity? It built off knowing what the character was, because the character was introduced in a Spider-Man comic. But you can introduce that character without having Spider-Man there. So, like, the Punisher? Exactly. Okay. Because the Punisher was introduced as a Spider-Man foil. Yeah. And then he was spun off into his own thing. And then he has since been reestablished in different media. He was as... spun off into his own thing. Okay, so a Punisher sort of situation. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's that sort of situation which where they're they're going to establish these characters and then probably bring Spider-Man in later. Right. And I honestly, I love both of those characters. So I think Silver and Black, or Black and Silver, whatever you're going to call it, I think that could be a fun movie. If they do it right, um, I think having them have their own solo movies could go either way of being good. I don't know how much a Silver Sable movie would do well. The thing that's a little alarming to me about that factoid uh, is if you're if you're already planning to do a certain movie, like we're going to do Silver and Black. I would hope that there is a pitch, at least for what that movie is, like an idea of like, Here's what the movie is that we're going to do. We know how it's going to go. We know what the story is. We're going to tell it as well as we can. Yeah. If you then go, but actually, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it as two different movies. Then I'm starting to think, was there ever a pitch? Was there ever an idea or was there just the title? A lot of these things sound like there was just, let's do a title. And here's a property that we can do. Let's figure out how to do that. That seems like a good idea, which is always how it's right. And that's where I get worried as as a as an IP consultant. I get worried at movies that don't start with an idea for a movie. Yeah. But start with just uh, we put this character and this character. Well, why? Like, what's the story? Yeah. What's the story yeah, exactly. you want to tell with those characters? And that's and that's always been DC's problem. It seems they're throwing darts at a board with characters on it and going, yeah, OK, let's do that one. Yeah. But so far as we know, we don't we don't know what the story is. Right. They haven't said anything. So we can only assume they've only got the title. <laughs> they've only got the characters and went, yeah, we'll make a movie for them. If there's like a specific comic book, like a specific comic storyline that they're pointing to and going, we want to do this movie. And that that movie is a solo movie and it's a great story. Then it's like, yeah, do that. Dude, go for it. Tell the good story that you have yeah. in a comic book or 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 if it's an original pitch that some writer brought in where it's like, oh, yeah, I know what to do with this character. I understand this character. And here's a story that would very well establish and explore the 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 mindset of this character. Then I'm like, yeah, do it. And, and but, that's, but that's the thing with both of these characters is that there's honestly, as much as I like both Silver Sable and Black Cat. There's not much to them. Right. Black Cat was made to be Marvel's Catwoman. And Th that I can see. No, it absolutely 100 percent is what it was. <laughs> yeah. They were like, it's we need obvious. we need a Catwoman. Uh, Black Cat. She's a cat burglar. Uh, Catwoman's a cat burglar. Uh, the end. Yeah. She kind of has the hots for the hero. Uh, in our case, we'll make it Spider-Man instead of Batman. Uh, so, yes. Catwoman, Black Cat, they're the same character. Right. Th that's that's obvious to me as someone who doesn't really know that much about the character. Exactly. They make it a little bit more substantial in the comics because they have to. Felicia Hardy is Black Cat. Uh, uh, not was, was sort of a socialite, but not really. Does it for the fun. And eventually, and occasionally off and on again, will get powers. She's the Black Cat, so she has like 
good luck powers occasionally. Like Domino? Kinda, yeah. So that's a kind of thing that kind of comes and goes okay. in the comic. She has the powers, then she doesn't have the powers, and then she has the powers again, and then she doesn't. And in the comics recently, she became the new kingpin for a little bit. She was taking out all the other gangs in New York and was started running shit, and it was weird, and it was kind of good. But that to the side... Silver Sable. Silver Sable uh, has her mercenaries, the six pack, and Mm -hmm. she runs this mercenary team, one of whom used to be Sandman when he went good. (laughs) So she's basically a mercenary for hire and, you know, does various missions where they need to hire a mercenary for something. Right. She comes from this country that is a Marvel made up country, which the name of it I cannot think of Simcaria. Yeah, there's a bunch of those. Simcaria, that's where she comes from. Right. She runs the Sablanova industry because her her name is Silver Sablanova, but they shorten it to Silver Sable. She had her own limited series in Marvel in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, yeah, so she's a mercenary. The other one's a cat burglar. That is kind of it. (laughs) Okay. So how do you team them up? Why do you team them up? Why do you make them work together or maybe work against each other? We don't even know that. It could be Black Cat is trying to burgle something and she's the mercenary hired to stop her. We don't know. All we've got is a title, and I have a fear that pretty much that's the same thing as Sony. All they have is a title. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the that's the general worry with with a lot of what's going on at Sony is they have titles, but not necessarily pitches like the Men in Black uh 21 jump straight yeah crossover i doubt there was ever even a script for that. yeah no it's it was supposed to be 23 jump street and men in black 4 so it became mib 23 yeah that's not that's not even a good title like they had a title and it was bad it was a bad title and then thankfully that's all been scrapped and they're doing a new men in black movie with chris hemsworth and tessa thompson which i don't hate that pairing i don't hate that pairing at all i think i mean i've seen that pairing <laughs> I've seen that works. I've seen that pairing and it works, which is why they're they're doing it that. But anyway, that's a different Sony property. We're talking about the Spider-Man ones. Yes, but credit where credit is due. Exactly. So that's the whole black and silver thing. I think they're trying to establish the characters a little more strongly by having them do solo movies first and then pairing up in silver and black, which isn't a terrible idea. Yeah, it's 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 fair enough as long as they have like a story to tell, as long as they have like a writer who gets the characters enough to have something to say about them. Yeah, exactly. Make these characters compelling and interesting and make people want to watch them and make people want to see them pair up in their in their combined movie. Yeah. And and casting an actor is not the same thing as fleshing out a character. Exactly. Because you could cast like the best actor as like a poorly fleshed out character. And what you're going to have is a good performance with nothing underneath. You're going to have Halle Berry and Catwoman. Well, Halle Berry, good actor, uh, debatable. Um, She won an Oscar the same year she won the Razzie for Catwoman. Yeah, she won an Oscar, but <laughs> winning an Oscar and being a good actor are not necessarily the same thing. You can you can luck out on just getting the role that gets you the Oscar, where it's like you get like a an easy part that's at the same time like Oscar bait. It can happen. I All haven't right. seen okay. Monsters Ball or whatever it was, but I, I, I have not been that impressed with... Uh, Kelly Berry, to be honest. Acknowledge your cynicism. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, okay, so interesting example, but also kind of where I'm going with this, and because 
Venom was so much a not current day superhero film, but a very early days, late 90s, early 2000s superhero film. Black Cat could very much end up being a Catwoman type movie. And we definitely don't want that. The way you're describing Venom, to, uh, it, it reminds me of Green Lantern. Is that at all fair it's, to say? It is fair, except that it is infinitely more watchable than Green Lantern. Right. Green Lantern is very bland. It feels like a 90s TV pilot. It it really does. It is. It's very much in the same vein as the original Flash TV series. It's very connect the dots. It's very, oh, this is what a comic book movie is, right? Exactly. As opposed to, as opposed to, here's an interesting story yeah. about an interesting character. Yeah. Who happens to have a magic ring? Uh, Venom, Venom at least has some interesting characters. Uh, well, okay, no, I take that back. It has a interesting character. Eddie Brock is slightly interesting for that first 15 minutes of the movie. And then, <laughs> and then he becomes interesting again when... Uh, he joins with the the symbiote, but it's there's no other. The villain in this movie is simply terrible, and just the there there's no really other any interesting characters in the film other than Eddie. But honestly, in a Venom movie, you want Eddie be, to be the most interesting character anyway. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah, you want, you want a good foil for him at least. Which I think if they do a sequel, which considering how well it's doing, they more than likely are. Uh, you want a good villain for it. This one did not have a good villain, but it had an okay villain. But man, they they rushed that ending too. So, but anyway, mm. we, we we've moved on from that. Uh, yeah. uh, next Spider-Manless movie that they're talking of doing might not be Spider-Manless, and that is the Craven the Hunter movie. Right. Uh, apparently, they're doing uh, Craven's Last Hunt or some sort of inspired story they're they're taking a lot of the cues of the craven's last hunt story now i haven't read craven's last hunt but i have heard much about it and it doesn't sound like an introductory story for that character it absolutely is not an introductory story for that character and that is my issue with this movie right from jump uh first of all if you haven't read craven's last hunt and i'm not just saying this to vincent but to anybody listening go read it now it is my favorite Spider-Man story and arguably probably the best Spider-Man story ever written. Okay. I I will have to look for that then. And herein lies the thing is that that story if you're basing your solo movie off of that is very much grounded in having Spider-Man in it and they are talking about having that be the basis for the Craven movie and they have said, "Yeah, we're going to try to get Spider-Man into this movie." going to try as in we don't know if we can or not <laughs> yeah and if they can't that movie's not going to work craven the hunter is a big russian game hunter and right. he has trained his body to move like an animals and you know he takes all these different oils and elixirs and makes him stronger and makes him faster 
like a cheetah or a lion or what have you. So he's kind of Marvel's version of Vixen, except that he hunts these animals. He's Craven the hunter. He hunts big game. Right. And the point of Craven's last hunt is he's hunting Spider-Man. Right. That's always what he is, is he's he's realized that Spider-Man has the abilities of a spider. Right. He wants to hunt a big spider because he hunts animals. And Spider-Man seems like the most interesting and valuable catch to him. And Craven <laughs> sounds fair. <laughs> Craven has become uh, obsessed in the in the Craven's last hunt story. Craven has become obsessed with capturing Spider-Man and hunting him and defeating him. Right. And to tell the story of Craven's last hunt is to spoil it for the movie. But in the story, Craven captures Spider-Man and buries him alive. Okay. The thing about Craven's last hunt, that title's kind of definitive because Craven, spoiler alert kids, dies in the end of that story. You can't introduce a character in his own film and then that you expect to franchise and then kill him off in the end. Well, we don't know that it's going to be a straight adaptation of Craven's Last Hunt. No, we know it absolutely isn't going to be a straight adaptation because the writer has said we are going to take some liberties and change some things because obviously Craven's Last Hunt, the way that ends, we can't have our film end that way. Right. So they're using elements of it. They're using elements of that, but but in my mind, they shouldn't. Right. Because the story is so well established with what it is and what Craven becomes because of it and what, he, you know, ultimately ends up happening to him because of the whole storyline. It's so good and so well written and to alter it and change it for a movie. No, you want that to be Craven's last movie. You don't want it to be his introduction because it's such a great character arc in that story for him established from years of Spider-Man comics. Right. So what we have here is a twofold problem. We have the problem of uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, which is a, uh-huh. a common problem in a lot of things. Uh, we've seen it many times, uh, and we're probably going to be bringing it up a lot on this podcast over over the time that we have it. Um, uh, more than every episode. <laughs> uh if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Seems to be one of the problems here. The other problem is is jumping in at the deep end. Uh, yeah, is 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 building start starting at the end instead of starting at the beginning, and that's a problem that DC has had. We keep bringing this uh, up, but numerous it, times. It, yes, it it seems to be a a a recurring problem of of we can't wait to get to the quote unquote good stuff. So we're going to skip yeah. all of the stuff that makes that stuff interesting Isn't, and jump yeah, right into it. And it's not going to be interesting because we haven't established the things that need to be established before we get to that stuff. Sidebar here real quick. Uh, that's exactly also what Universal's Dark Universe did. And they did that in one movie. Instead of making an interesting movie, tried to make a movie that established a universe right. in kind of the way that DC was doing it. But DC admittedly kind of did it slightly slower because they had one movie and then they did the movie where they tried to establish the universe. <laughs> I'm talking Man of Steel and then Batman v Superman. Yeah. With The Mummy, The Mummy just jumped in whole hog where this is a mummy movie, but actually it's establishing a universe. And that movie was so disjointed and bombed so hard, I think... DC saw that movie and went, oh, is this what we're doing? Oh, shit. Maybe we should reel it back a little. (laughs) And now and now it seems that Sony might be playing the same game. They absolutely are. 
<laughs> we keep saying DC because it's such the most the most obvious and and biggest shining example of this. But to be perfectly honest, the Universal's Dark Universe is probably a better example. <laughs> well, I, I haven't seen the the Dark Universe movie. Uh, Nobody did. <laughs> so it's it's hard for me to talk about the Dark Universe uh, other than as a theoretical concept that I like can't imagine why they even thought that was a good idea. Well, I, I can tell you why they thought it was a good idea, because because of Marvel, not just because of Marvel, because it was already established as a connected universe ages ago. Well, the thing is, I don't have a problem with the idea of a dark universe. The problem is the idea of jumping in and going, we're going to make a dark universe. Here's the movie that's going to establish the dark universe. Dark universe, check it out. They tried to make that dark universe happen two other times before this. Yeah, they did the Dracula Rising or whatever it was. Dracula Untold. Untold. And and I, Frankenstein, which wasn't even universal. I, Frankenstein was based on a comic, though, wasn't it? It might have been. I don't honestly know. I believe it was. Um, I haven't read it. I haven't seen it. I, I, I liked the premise of it. But I thought it was uh, worrying. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things I've been worrying about about all of those. But anyway, we're not talking about the Dark Universe in this one. Right. That one is coming gone. That Dark Universe is not happening. Maybe we're talking we should about eventually do an episode where we pitch how to do the Dark Universe better. Oh no, no, that will be that will definitely be something that we will talk about uh, in a in a cult property IP consulting. So, but anyway, back to spider stuff. Craven's last hunt, or Craven's first hunt, or whatever. Craven hunts. Uh, yeah, Craven the hunter. Uh, the solo movie. Craven goes a hunting. <laughs> Craven gone hunting. All of that. Uh, gone hunting. All right. Good lord. Yeah. So, Craven movie. That's a thing that's that they're going forward with. Uh, at least the writer is going to the source material and the good source material on Craven the Hunter, at least, and does want Spider-Man involved and knows that the character is more established with being a Spider-Man character because where Black Cat and Silver Sable can exist solely and have Spider-Man come in eventually, Craven is very much. If you don't have Spider-Man, he's just a hunter who hunts big game. Right. And that's not a movie. And that's not a movie, especially in this day and age. Right. So uh, at least there's that. The final movie in the Spider-Man-less roster of films that we're going to talk about is actually the the next one that's going to happen. And that is the Morbius movie. Oh, yeah. The Living Vampire. Morbius the Living Vampire with Jared Leto as Morbius. Oh, that's promising, except it's not because I don't like Jared Leto. No, no. Uh, ever since Suicide Squad and his depiction of the Joker. And his onset antics. And his onset I'm so method antics. Nobody likes Jared Leto anymore. Again, going back to your whole thing about Oscar winners. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar winner Jared Leto. The man is a method actor. We know this because of all the reports about Suicide Squad and what he did to the cast in that. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, he sent dead animals and used condoms and other various gross things to his cast members because he was in character as the Joker. And that seemed like something the Joker would do. What? Yeah, I don't remember those being things that the Joker would do. No, no, they're not. And uh, what? Anyway, 
We we know of other actors who stay in character when the cameras stop rolling. Christian Bale is a, a well-known character actor, and yeah, sure, he loses his temper uh, a little bit because of that, because he's in a certain mindset for a film, and he also does insane yo-yo diets. But then you get good performance and not a lot. But some people say he's a little hard to work with, but for the most part, he just kind of keeps to himself off the set. Otherwise, that's fine. You can be method and not be an insane dick about it. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman has always been a character actor. And De Niro was a character actor for a little a method bit. Method actor, we should specify. Because there are character actors who are not method. I meant to say method, and I, I because we're talking about comic book characters, my brain went to character. Uh <laughs> De Niro and, and Dustin Hoffman are method actors. And, you know, De Niro was a method actor when he was doing Raging Bull and, you know, gained all that weight in the middle of shooting to play the, his character at two different time periods. Right. There is good method acting. Jared Leto, I think he's lost the plot on method acting. I think <laughs> he's, he's just trying to be outrageous. Yeah. And I feel like. I feel like he's just being a dick and using method acting as an excuse. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I don't know still because of that how I feel about him playing Michael Morbius. For those of you who don't know who Morbius the Living Vampire is, I think the name is kind of self-explanatory. It's like a vampire, but living. Yeah, so like he was kind of established in the same, he's kind of a Spider-Man character because he was established in a Spider-Man comic, but he was also established in a Spider-Man comic that brought in Blade, the Vampire Hunter, and uh, possibly Dracula. <laughs> Love a good possibly Dracula. Yeah, so he has a rare blood disease, and in trying to develop a cure for himself, basically makes him a vampire. Except that, you know, not... I don't know if he can be a daywalker, but he refuses to eat humans. He'll only eat animals so that he's not harming anybody because, uh, save from other vampires, he, quote-unquote, has a soul. Like Angel. Yeah, exactly. Sorry for spoiling uh, a TV show from 1997. Yeah, a 20-year-old TV show. Sorry, spoiler alert. So... Morbius, kind of a conflicted, tragic character. I don't know how that movie is going to work without Spider-Man. I mean, obviously it can because it is a complex, fleshed out character. But making that movie for the people who don't know the character, they're going to automatically assume, oh, this is kind of like Blade, because the movie version of Blade is kind of a mishmash of the comic version of Blade and Morbius. Mm. <laughs> Morbius is one of those characters where there is a good character development for it, but there's not much else there beyond that. What do you do with that character? Well, I don't know Morbius that well. I've had very, very little experience with the character, so I have literally no idea what to do with that character other than, I don't know, try to make it good. Yeah, exactly. And what, which is ultimately what we want all these movies to do. Stop trying to branch out and make franchises. Just make a good movie. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think that's also becoming our mantra as well. But my issue with Morbius is I'm in the same boat. And I've come across Morbius numerous times in numerous Spider-Man comics. And still no grip on the character? Still no real grip on the character. Yeah, like, sure, he's the living vampire and he needs blood or plasma to survive. Uh, but it's that blood disease and I don't really quite get what's going on with him. It's kind of cool, but at the same time... Is it's he like, generally a good guy? Yeah, he's generally a good guy. But because 
but he's he's a tragic hero because he needs blood to survive. Right. He has he might occasionally have to kill somebody and drain them to to live. So he's a tragic hero. Right. So he lives on the edge a bit. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, it, it kind of could be running into anti-hero realm because, oh, uh, he kills people, but only bad people, you know? So. <laughs> right. So it's a bit it's a bit beyond Angel. Then. A little bit. Yeah. OK. And a little bit beyond the blade that I'm familiar with from Blade the series. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So it's it's a little bit beyond what we've known as Blade as a character in the movies and his short-lived spike tv show right so what do you do with that well you find a a writer who really has a good idea and really wants to do something with that character and has a a strong idea and a strong pitch and then you decide oh yeah we'll make the movie is that what they did that here's the thing that's been concerning me about this we've been hearing all of this stuff that we just spoke about about the craven movie from the writer of the craven movie about how he what what he's reading about to study about the character to write about the character he seems at least to be going the right way because he's going to the most popular story about the character and he's learning about the character and he's getting a lot of backstory for this character for his movie right the only things that we've been hearing about from the morbius movie are that they've done casting and they've got jared leto playing it and they've cast a villain they've said the villain's name i can't remember it the villain is like i guess a comic book character but one i'm not familiar with at all and it just seems like we know what we want to do with this movie we haven't done it yet as far as scripting but we're getting the casting done i'm 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 looking up imdb to to see who the screenwriters are it's matt sazama and burke sharpless uh they wrote gods of egypt oh and power rangers power rangers wasn't terrible and the last witch hunter and dracula untold well okay well at least they have familiarity with uh vampire stories uh I haven't seen Dracula Untold, but I didn't want to. I actually wanted to, and I heard I shouldn't because, well, let me put it this way. I would have gone to see it, but I was sick that day. Well, I've seen Gods of Egypt, and the thing about Gods of Egypt is it can be enjoyed not as a good movie. <laughs> it's a ridiculous piece of cinema, and there's there's enjoyment to be found there, but it's the kind of it's kind of accidental comedy stuff. Um, sure. No, I, I enjoy ridiculous cinema because it's ridiculous. Right. And apparently these guys also wrote Power Rangers, which I haven't seen. The Last Witch Hunter, which I haven't seen. Dracula Untold, which I haven't seen. They've written for the TV series Lost in Space reboot, which I haven't seen. I You know what? I hear that's good. I, I haven't seen Lost in Space. I hear it's good. I didn't see Dracula Untold. I didn't see The Last Witch Hunter. I did see Power Rangers. Was it anything? I went into that movie because I went with a friend of mine who loved the Power Rangers TV series. I never watched the Power Rangers TV series. Me neither. I was a little older when it came out. It came out when I was in high school. It came out when I was a kid, but I didn't have the channel it was on. That and Pokemon hit when I was in high school, and I was not into either of them. And I've you know never watched the show, never played Pokemon. So I went into this movie fresh, not knowing really. I mean, I knew kind of the general idea of what the show is and the plot and the characters kind of because me being a pop culture junkie, I kind of like absorb the information anyway <laughs> through its associated things in pop culture. This is kind of how I am, uh, whether I've seen it or not. 
And so, you know, going into that, at least knowing the general gist of what these characters are, what everything is in this, it wasn't a terrible movie. There was entirely unnecessary product placement in it, but it's a movie. You're going to get that a lot nowadays. It's going to be obvious and painful, but it wasn't terrible. I know a lot of people who are fans of the Power Rangers TV show didn't like it. And I know some people who were fans of the Power Rangers TV show who really enjoyed it. So it's very divisive. Right. I honestly would like to see a sequel to it. I keep hearing that there possibly may be one. Overall, it was just a kind of decent popcorn action flick. It's not going to set the world on fire, but it wasn't terrible either. At least it's got that going for it. Okay, so Morbius is being written by these guys. Yeah. That does not, to me, make me feel like... Oh wow, that's that I gotta see that because that's exactly being... nobody's 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 chomping at the bit to see this movie based on their previous works. And it's directed by Daniel Espinosa, Swedish guy from Hoodinga, and he has made nothing I've seen. Okay. So yeah. Some Swedish dude. Some Swedish dude, says the Swedish dude. Yep. That's uh that's Morbius. <laughs> so... So that's Morbius. This is a hard one to consult on because... Yeah, I have no idea what it is. The character is kind of an anomaly as it is. Yeah. The thing about him is is a lot of his character traits are going to instantly draw comparisons to Blade, which is not unusual because a lot of his appearance in the comics is associated with Blade. Honestly, probably associate a lot more with Blade than with Spider-Man. Sure, right. he was established first in a Spider-Man comic. And sure, he's had a lot of run-ins with Spider-Man. But he's a vampire. He's a living vampire, but he's a vampire. Right. And he generally gets relegated to the horror comics. Right. And neither you or I have read a lot of Marvel's horror comics. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not, not really. Uh. Tomb of Dracula is something that has always kind of been out of my scope. And so Morbius has kind of been out of the scope because of that as well. And I know of Morbius. I know he's had his own solo series comics, so he can at least exist without Spider-Man. But I've not read them. I've seen them on the shelf and gone, I don't know if I want to pick that up. And right. I feel that same way about the movie. Yeah, me too. It's like Morbius is not a character that I give a shit about. Me neither. Uh, it, it's kind of like if it has a really interesting trailer, I'll probably go see it. Yeah. But like all I can really say as an IP consultant is fucking good luck. Try your best. Yeah. Care about it. That's all I can say. Care about it. Care about Please. it. Care about it and make us care about it. Make us give a yeah. shit because clearly we don't. Yeah, I don't give a I don't give a fuck about Morbius. I don't know of anybody who is excited about this movie. I don't know anybody who gives a shit enough about that character to be excited for a movie of that character. And that is the biggest hurdle yeah. that they're going to have to jump over to get this movie to have some hype on yeah. it. Make people give a shit about Michael Morbius. Yeah. And no, none of these names make me excited about it. Um, I'll no, say that. I don't think that the writers, based on their previous work, and yes, neither of us have seen a lot of their previous work, but the box office uh, reveals how well their previous work did, <laughs> uh, if that makes sense. So I, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Well, I think the director might have been like well-regarded 
Uh, I just haven't seen any of it. Sure. Um, to that end, they're going to have to work very hard to make us want to see the movie. Yeah, that's that's going to be a bit of a hurdle. I'm going to see it regardless because comic books. I have a sickness because I have a sickness where if it's a comic book movie, I have to see it. Right. Uh, as as is established by the fact that I went to see Venom last night. Right. Uh, but and I didn't, which means I'm doing better. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm handling it. I, I can, I can get through this. You can, you're clearly taking your meds and I am not, but, uh, yeah. So the Morbius film, I don't know, man. It's just, we've seen enough vampire movies. My threshold for caring about vampire stuff is, does it seem like it's doing anything with it? Yeah. Like if, if I look at something like Twilight which I watched. My thought about Twilight isn't, ooh, vampires, I gotta see this. My thought about Twilight is, that looks hilariously stupid and I gotta see it. Ooh, train wreck, I've gotta see it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was why I watched those movies. Um, and, like, I'm not saying that this is gonna be like Twilight, but if it is gonna be like Twilight, it better be as bad as Twilight. Yeah, make it Which like means at least... it's gonna have to be a little bit worse than Gods of Egypt. Yeah. Which is a challenge and a feat within itself. At least make it entertainingly bad. Yeah, like it. It should be either entertainingly bad and and well paced enough, or just a movie really really good. Yeah, or like undeniably great. Yeah, because if it's just kind of there, kind of the way the Power Rangers movie is, nobody's gonna care. Nobody's yeah. gonna see it. Yeah, nobody's going to give a shit about it. Nobody's a fan of Morbius. There may be people out there who like the character. And, you know, if there any are, you know, please let us know on, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. But I don't know of anybody who's hardcore into Morbius or or even uh, likes him a little. <laughs> right. So should we try to get past Morbius and into what they should be doing? I think that's a good place to go. Because there's there's stuff they could do that's sort of spider-man adjacent and may solo movie no no yeah no probably not but like <laughs> i feel like i feel like i i are you familiar with spider gwen it's it's a very derivative weird concept it is and here's the thing they are establishing that we we there is one other thing coming out that we did not mention and into that is the, the Spider-Verse animated spider-man into the spider-verse movie which they show a clip of at the end of the credits for Venom, by the right. way. And it has uh, Spider-Gwen in it, which is, I think, interesting. Because I think Spider-Gwen is a character with a lot of potential. I've read the, the introductory Spider-Gwen comic, and it's fun. It's a fun comic. It's not like, ooh, holy shit, this blew my mind. But it's like, yeah, it's a fun comic. I read the first series of Spider-Gwen before they That's what I read. rebooted it. And... Uh, I really liked it. I really like Spider-Gwen. I think it's a really great character. It's an alternate universe version of Spider-Man where instead of Peter Parker getting the powers, uh, Gwen Stacy gets. Gwen gets the Gwen Stacy gets the powers and and Peter Parker dies instead of Gwen Stacy right. dying. This character is also appearing in uh, the Marvel Rising uh, animated movie that just came out that I haven't watched yet. But uh, before the movie, there were like a, a series of like two minute minisodes leading up to the movie. Well, before all of that, there was the Marvel Rising comic book, right. which was a five issue miniseries that started with a free comic book day comic. But it's mostly Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl. Yeah. And Spider-Gwen kind of comes in a little late and 
America comes in later, and I think there's one other character. Yeah, but, but it's it. I watched the minisodes. Uh, I didn't watch the movie yet, but I intend to. It's for kids. Mm-hmm. It's very simple, but it works. It works for what it is. And they renamed the character Spider Gwen Ghost Spider, which I guess is so that she doesn't get confused with Spider Woman or whatever her name is in the in the comics. And there's the title Spider Gwen because she doesn't go by that because that would be revealing her secret identity. She's Spider Woman in her universe. Right. It's it's all but the comic was called Spider Gwen. Right. So in Marvel Rising, they renamed the characters Ghost Spider, which is not the greatest name ever thought of, but it works. It it does the job, which is also confusing because Peter Parker became Ghost Rider once and he was Ghost Spider. Really? Because Spider rhymes with Rider. <laughs> this I was not aware of. Yeah. I didn't know Spider-Man became Ghost Rider. Yeah. Uh, it happened once. Okay. <laughs> well, he's not the only one for whom it's happened once. I watch Agents of Shield. Yeah. It 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 was a one-off thing. It's also an unlockable costume in the Marvel Spider-Man game for PS4. Hmm. But in that game, they call it the Spirit Spider. <laughs> and Spider Gwen, the Ghost Spider, is a new comic series coming out that is connecting to the whole Spider Geddon thing that is happening in the comics. Okay. The sequel to. Spider-Verse comic. Right. I did read the Spider-Verse comic. Spider-Verse is great. It was Dan Slott. I, I read it because of Dan Slott because I really liked his run on She-Hulk. Yeah. Which I'm sure we're going to talk about in the future on this podcast. We're going to talk about She-Hulk. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because She-Hulk is, for the record, the best Marvel character. Yeah. Now that that's on the record, uh, let's get back to spider stuff. Uh, so yeah, Spider-Gwen would make an interesting movie. I think they could do a Spider-Gwen movie. Yeah. They could call it Ghost Spider. It's fine. And honestly, let's cast Emma Stone as Gwen again for that. Yeah, let's. Why not? Because I thought she was great. She's yeah. my favorite part of the amazing Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I agree. I think she should play uh Ghost Spider. That would be the first choice. Yeah. You bring up the cartoons like Marvel Rising, and that reminds me of the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. When they finally introduced Miles Morales, he wasn't also called Spider-Man. He was called Arach Kid. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Or Arachnikid or something like that. Arach Kid is pretty good because it's so awkward. It's so awkward. Arach Kid. Yeah, it's that double K sound. Yeah, Arach Kid. It might, it might be Arachnikid. I saw the toys of it and I was like, that's just Miles Morales Spider-Man. Why does that have a weird name? Oh, this is for the cartoon. So, yeah, they did a Spider-Verse crossover on the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. So they introduced his character and they called him Arachnikid or whatever. Mm. And he was he played by? Yeah, uh, Donald Glover voiced him, which was pretty great. There was a lot of fan talk about wanting him to play Spider-Man before uh, Andrew Garfield was cast. Yeah, there definitely was. And that kind of led to the development of uh, Miles Morales, who did not previously exist. Yeah, and it also led to him getting cast in Spider-Man Homecoming as Miles Morales' uncle. uh, But the thing with the Spider-Verse movie uh, versus the comic is they're centering it around Miles first and his universe and then four other Spider characters coming into that. Right. As opposed to the Spider-Verse comic where it is like 30 different (laughs) Spider-Men. Yeah, and it's a lot of like Dr. Octopus has been possessing Peter Parker's body. Yeah, that's... And maybe was a better Spider-Man. The superior Spider-Man, yes. Right. That is, by the way, a great run by Dan Slott. Read that. That's that's a a self-contained series. Superior Spider-Man, I think it's only like 20 issues. 
It's two trades. Real quick about Dan Slott's run. Uh, I know Dan Slott is very divisive. I love what Dan Slott did in the Spider-Man comics. He wrote it for 10 years. A friend of mine, Shoebox of Warm Quartet, absolutely despised Dan Slott's run. So your mileage may vary. Uh, listeners, I know that I'm. I really enjoyed what he did with it. He took it to very interesting places, and I dug it. But he may not be for everybody. So there's that. However, his run on She-Hulk, both Vincent and I agree, is fantastic. Yes. But anyway, you were saying about maybe doing a Spider Gwen movie. Yes. I don't really have much more to say about that other than read the comic and make that movie. Like, yeah. Understand the comic. Make the movie the way the comic is in a style of like an indie movie, like a. I don't want to say Juno, but like like a, a <laughs> intimate and simple and not overly high budget. Just make it like a make it character driven. Yeah, a character driven piece about the character of Gwen Stacy in the universe where Gwen Stacy became Ghost Spider or whatever. Everything that you can do for this movie to make it work can be established with one simple title card at the very beginning of the movie. Because people are going to see this and go, Spider-Gwen? Because people who aren't familiar with comics will get confused. Is this a Spider-Man-associated character? She's called Spider-Gwen. Or even calling it Ghost Spider, or whatever you want to call it. Seeing that, it's going to confuse people. Oh, it's Gwen Stacy. It's Emma Stone. Does this mean it's connected to this? You open the movie with a title card that just says, In Another Universe. Yep. That's it. Yeah, and and people who who will have seen Into the Spider-Verse will also get it. Oh, yeah. People who have even seen the trailer for Into the Spider-Verse will get it. Yes. Because it's you have the door. Just open it, walk through it. Like, it's... Exactly. It's right there. I would love to see, speaking of Into the Spider-Verse, I would love to see a Spider-Man noir. I thought you were going to say Spider-Ham. Well, obviously, <laughs> but I'm not going with the obvious one right away. Right. Spider-Man noir is one of my favorite iterations of Spider-Man. And there's a whole noir universe in the comics. I haven't read all of them, but I have it. There's Daredevil noir, Cage noir, Iron Man noir, mm. and I don't have the X-Men one, but there's an X-Men noir as well. Yeah, I'm sort of tangentially familiar with the existence of the noir universe, but I haven't read any of it, so I can't speak from experience. The only one I've read is are the two different Spider-Man noir stories, and they are great. Mm. It's 20s era gangster stuff with Spider-Man, kind of a steampunky Spider-Man, but not really. And it's so good. It's a neat, fresh take on it. It's like, remember Marvel 1602? It's like an Elseworlds story. And that's what I liked about Spider-Man Noir. I like taking familiar characters and placing them in unfamiliar settings and unfamiliar timelines and just kind of reestablishing it as this is the thing that you know and the characters that you know, but we're using them in a new and unique way. Yeah, different context. Yeah, exactly. Completely different context for the things that you're aware of. And that's why I love Elseworlds type stories. I know Elseworlds is a DC thing, but uh, Marvel does it too with their different universes. I think Marvel used to call it What If. They used to call it What If, but What If is a different thing too. Yeah, but it's kind of the same type of thing. It's the same idea because it's like, oh, this, this is how this happened in a different universe. Yeah. And that's all Spider-Gwen is. That's all Spider-Man noir is. It's a different universe where this happened years before instead of years later or whatever. And I dig that. I think that would be an interesting, fun movie. Spider-Ham. Peter Porker. I think only really would work as a animated thing. Uh, unless you get James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> if you get James Gunn back... 
uh, Spider-Ham better cross over with Howard the Duck, and that would just be a buddy movie. <laughs> well, I, I already have a pitch for a buddy movie with She-Hulk and uh, Howard the Duck, but that's a tale for another time. <laughs> but uh, I think the casting of John Mulaney as the voice of Spider-Ham is perfect, and uh, I'm very excited to see that. But other non-Spider characters that Sony could develop into features. I want to say something that they shouldn't do. <laughs> That's fine. Because there's a certain trope that has popped up in multiple Sony Spider-Man movies that I am getting really sick of. And I'm, I'm glad we haven't seen it in Spider-Man Homecoming. And it's the concept of the split villain. The evil alter trope is something that is very persistent in the Spider-Man mythos. If you look at, like... The first Spider-Man movie, you've got Green Goblin. He, he hears voices, and the Green, the Green Goblin is, is essentially a separate entity to Norman Osborn. Yeah, and the, the serum is what brings him out. Yeah, it's Jekyll and Hyde. It's a very Jekyll and Hyde story. And then they do that again in Spider-Man 2 with Dr. Octopus, because the arms start talking to him. Right, and then they do it again with Venom in Spider-Man 3, and I... Did they also do it with the the new Green Goblin? Was he hearing voices? He wasn't hearing voices. He saw his father. Right. Well, that would be hearing voices. <laughs> well, he didn't just hear them. He saw them. Well, yeah. Uh, but yeah. But it's the same thing of like, there's a different, there's a separate entity inside of his head. And then in The Amazing Spider-Man, we get it again with the lizard who is two different personalities sort of tearing away from each other. With admittedly... That's really the only one that 100% works because that is comic accurate. Dr. Kurt Connors and the Lizard are actually two completely separate things. Green Goblin is is debatable. Doc Ock is not at all. Doc Ock is always Otto Octavius. And Venom is, you know, comic accurate. Slightly. In quotes. <laughs> yeah. And then in the next one, we have uh, Electro, Electro, who is... Uh, hearing voices and stuff. So it's a lot of that sort of stuff of like either having an altar or hearing voices or hallucinating or something in that realm. It keeps cropping up. Making a good guy go bad. Yeah, they get powers and in getting powers, there's something that happens to their personality where it's a different personality. It's not a choice yeah. that they make. It's a thing that happens. It's a thing that keeps happening in these Spider-Man movies. And I think it comes from the idea of Spider-Man is about duality because Peter Parker is not inherently a great guy. He's not Superman, you know. He's a nebbish, but he wants to do good. Well, it's not, it's, it's not just that he's nebbish. He's a bit of a dick sometimes. He has a tendency to be a bit of a dick and, and a bit selfish. And he's fighting that by being Spider-Man, right? He puts on yeah. the suit and he takes on the character of Spider-Man to sort of fight himself. Yeah. Because he understands he or he's learning, he's constantly learning that with great power comes great responsibility. And it's about that duality of Peter Parker, which sets him apart from Superman. And I, I mentioned Superman because obviously every early superhero is a play on Superman in one way or another. Yeah, exactly. And Spider-Man is a play on Superman in that Superman is, is just, he's a nice guy and he inherently understands that with great power comes great responsibility. He just knows that because that's the kind of guy he is. Spider-Man has to learn that all the time. He has to keep reminding himself that that's why it's his mantra that with great power comes great responsibility because he has to keep trying to be Spider-Man. He's not 
Spider-Man. I agree with all of that, with the exception of saying Peter Parker's a dick. Well, he's a bit of a dick. I'm not saying he's just a dick. I'm saying he has a dickish tendency that he's fighting. It's in him. Yes, I agree to that to a point, saying he has the ability to be kind of a dick because everybody's kind of a dick to him at first because he's puny Parker. And I think when he finally gets the abilities, he kind of turns it on. His first instinct is to be selfish. Yeah, his first instinct is to be, well, now... Now the tables have turned. Now I can be what they've been to me. Right. And you're right. He absolutely learns from that. So he kind of reels that back and realizes I should stick to being what everybody knows me as is Peter Parker and then let everything come out of me as Spider-Man because that is my freedom. That's why he quips so much. That's why he's got the snappy comebacks as Spider-Man, because it is the trope that you dislike in the villains. It's a personality shift. Yeah, but the, the thing is, he's doing it on purpose, right? Yes, Spider-Man absolutely. is intentionally splitting his personality in a sense. It's a cognizant choice for him to do it that way. Right, and that's why I think a lot of storytellers, a lot of writers, a lot of, I, I guess, directors, but or it might be Avi Arad even, they keep going to that well because it's right there. If you look at the character of Peter Parker, you go like, okay, what's the flip side of that? Yeah. And you find yourself in that area of like, okay, we've got the Jekyll and Hyde type of character who is making, A, the wrong choices, but also not fully in control of their two sides. They're being torn apart rather than separating themselves into two identities. And here's the thing, they actually were able to do that without doing that in Homecoming. They made a sympathetic villain in Adrian Toomes, but he wasn't a conflicted duality villain. Yeah, he wasn't being torn apart. No, he was not hearing voices. He was doing what Spider-Man was doing, in a sense. Exactly. He was doing the selfish end of it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, look, I got to feed my family. That means I got to do some crime. To me, that works better, in part because people with actual DID and schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is, is a disorder that causes hallucinations and hearing external <laughs> voices, stuff like that, and delusions. And DID is dissociative identity disorder, which is what used to be known as multiple personality disorder. Which is also what people called schizophrenia, but is more well defined now. Well, yeah, schizophrenia is not multiple personality. Years ago, people thought they were the same thing. They are not the same thing. Yeah, it's it's a confusion because schizophrenia literally translates to split mind or something like that. Exactly. But the thing is, people with DID who exist in real life, there are people with DID. That is a fact. It is extremely unusual for alters in DID systems to... Uh, lash out against other people, mm-hmm. especially violently, especially with murder. It is not something that is a typical symptom. And it's, in fact, something that is, if anything, extremely rare, possibly doesn't happen at all. And yet every time that you see in in a comic book movie or in a movie in general, a character <laughs> with some kind of multiple personality or DID situation, it's always like, oh, yeah, my alter is a killer. And uh, yeah, and that keeps coming up. And it's it's getting really annoying, especially for people who have DID to see that, to see like their only representation in popular movies is one of your alters going to come out and kill me. Like that is an actual question that people with DID get. And it's very frustrating for yeah. uh, alters for systems to to be constantly facing that stereotype and i would very much like to see that just stop 
I don't want to see any more of that trope. I've seen enough of it. We've seen it over and over and over again. We're seeing at least one more of it because Glass comes out in January. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what I'm hoping of Glass, and this is a small side note because I saw Split. Split is very much a deconstruction of Spider-Man villains in a way. <laughs> it's, it's taking this Spider-Man villain trope of the Split villain and trying to put it more through a medical lens, but obviously still having a big sci-fi element. That movie could have done with a little more clarity on the line between science and fiction because a lot of people saw that movie and apparently took it literally as like this is what DID is which it's not right. the beast is a movie monster yeah it's not something that actually happens if you have DID it's not like everybody with DID's got a monster in them no that's not how it works it's a movie monster it's a made up thing and um, I think the mistake of that movie that Shyamalan made of not properly deconstructing it and not properly contrasting it and I think there's an opportunity in Glass for the protagonist from um from the previous film. Uh, I forget what her name was. From Unbreakable. Oh, wait, oh no, from the protagonist from Split. From S Split, yeah, the the girl. Uh, I forget which, what her name which, is. Which I, have not, I haven't seen Split yet. Oh, yeah. But, uh, well, without necessarily spoiling too much, I will say there's an opportunity with that character to reveal that that character, A, has DID, and B, is a superhero. Right. Because I think what we need to see, and I just watched Iron Fist as well, which, again, has a character with DID who is a little bit better than than Split in terms of the representation, but there's still that element of violence. And I'm very torn about that portrayal. I don't have DID, so I can't really speak from a direct point of view on that. No, but you're, you're speaking very passionate about it. So Yeah, because I've listened to a lot of people on YouTube with DID talk about these sorts of things. They haven't been talking about Iron Fist because nobody watched it. <laughs> Clearly, that's why I got canceled. Yeah, um, but I've definitely heard people talk about Split. And, and I think there's an opportunity with Glass to contrast the split villain with a split hero. And I, I I would very much like to see something like that from the Spider-Verse as well, to, to have like a, a split hero. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's something that is very much part of the Spider-Man mythology of having characters who are in some way multiple. I agree. <laughs> and I would like to see more positive representation of that. Either positive representation or just let's just do away with that trope because yeah. it is a trope. Yeah. You know, it's not something that it's a cliche at this point. Yeah. The way you point it out, every villain has it. It's completely a cliched trope. And also it misrepresents people with that uh, affliction. Yeah. And, you know, between the two things, let's just do away with it. Yeah, because having DID isn't something that happens to you and you become a monster. DID is a survival mechanism for people who have been through horrible, repeated trauma. Yeah. And DID is basically how the brain survives. Exactly. Basically, instead of those different aspects of personality merging to form one personality in childhood, they stay separate and build amnesia walls. And that's how they evolve into separate personalities and that's a thing that the brain can do to save itself yeah. from just complete collapse and it's like i would much rather see that represented as did is about survival it's not about monsters yeah if anything it's about getting away from the monsters or enduring the monsters. absolutely absolutely that that's a whole different ip that we could discuss as far as just not even an ip that's that's just a movie that should be something that that shows that better than the typical media representation and misrepresentation i should say of what did and alternate personalities is yeah but that being said yes it is a trope we should see, not see those in the spider-man movies anymore yeah it's going to be a little bit hard with especially venom 
to get rid of that aspect? Well, no, no, because they are they are absolutely two different creatures in the movie. Yeah. Here's the thing. While watching Venom, I was reminded of a movie that seemed to do it better, and that was Upgrade. I have not seen Upgrade. There's a lot of stuff I haven't seen. Upgrade came out earlier this year and is freaking phenomenal. It's a great sci-fi movie. Uh, and that's not another split personality thing either. That is, there's a chip in his head that's talking to him. Right. It is a separate entity. Okay. In Venom, it is a separate entity. The symbiote is a absolutely living creature. Yeah. But it needs Eddie to survive and right. Eddie needs it to survive. Yeah. And so I mean, there's, the, there's a point where the symbiote comes out and has a face and talks to Eddie face to face. Right. So it's very much not a split personality thing. Right. It's just adjacent to the trope. Yeah. You know, it's adjacent to the trope because it's a personality that he's wearing because it is a suit. Yeah. But yeah, let's absolutely do away with that in the films. As far as another Spider-Man-less Spider-Man character, uh, you know what? Just make a cop movie of Gene DeWitt. <laughs> a, a cop movie. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right now. I would probably not go see that. But that's because I don't go see <laughs> cop movies. I, I'm sure people go see cop movies. Uh, but this is this is me spitballing here at this point, because I'm like, what other Spider-Man characters are there that you could have that can exist without Spider-Man? Yeah, that's the that's the hard part, isn't it? Because it's so much centered around Spider-Man because Spider-Man is such a character driven property. Yeah. And his villains and his associated characters are very much centered around him. Yeah. The majority of his villains are very animal based. Yeah. And it's it's also a lot of father figures and love interests. Here's a movie. OK, let's go with the Hobby Brown version of the Prowler. I, please explain. OK, so there are two people who have been the Prowler. OK, the Prowler sort of is an antihero kind of the first version of the Prowler was Hobart Brown. And he is mostly on the side of good and is kind of uses stealth and what could be cat burglar abilities. But basically just like, you know, he's a stealthy guy and he's a superhero basically okay as superhero version the aaron davis aka miles morales's uncle version of the prowler is a villain he's a bad guy okay he uses the prowler suit and commits crimes steals stuff that's how miles gets bitten by the radioactive spider right the Prowler breaks in steals some stuff spider hitches a ride on his costume comes off his costume when he sits on the couch bites miles so let's do the hobby brown version of the prowler have that be a movie because the only other characters that are in Spider-Man comics are villains. Yeah, there's a lot of villains. There's a lot of villains. There's a lot of people who are anti-heroes who ride the line between hero and villainy like Venom or Black Cat because sometimes she's good and sometimes she's a cat burglar and steals stuff. Because she's Catwoman. Because she's Catwoman. She's the Marvel analog of Catwoman. Let's develop a Prowler movie. Make that an actual hero. Yes, okay, it's running the possibility of being samey with any of the other characters, but in Dan Slott's run of Spider-Man, Hobart Brown, the Prowler, stands in for Spider-Man mm. occasionally because Parker develops Parker Industries. The aftershot of Superior Spider-Man in the comics where Doc Ock was living in Peter Parker's body. His, his mind was in Parker's body. Parker gets his body back and becomes Peter Parker again. But Doc Ock got Parker his doctorate. Right. <laughs> 
So he made him a genius. And so he started Parker Industries. And so since he was the face of Parker Industries, he needed somebody to be Spider-Man for public appearances. Right. I remember that. That must have been around when I stopped reading. Right. This happened right after Spider-Verse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that must have been around when I stopped reading again. Yeah. This was this was this was basically called Amazing Spider-Man Worldwide, where he's not in New York anymore. Parker Industries is all over the country. I know a lot of people didn't like it because in their eyes, they turned Peter Parker into Tony Stark. Right. But I like it because it's the Parker that we know and love, who's, you know, not sure of himself and what to do is suddenly running his own company right. and doing it with that Parker luck and Parker charm. Uh, <laughs> and so in, in public appearances, he would have Hobby Brown in the Spider-Man outfit. Right. So that was that was always interesting to me. And I, I want to see that character more. In Spider-Verse, a different universe version of Hobby Brown is Spider-Punk. Oh, I vaguely remember Spider-Punk. Yeah. So that universe's Hobby Brown is Spider-Punk. Our universe's Hobby Brown, Hobart Brown, is the Prowler. So there definitely is a, a wealth of material for that character that could be expanded upon, either doing a Prowler movie or doing a Spider-Punk movie. Yeah, I could see that. Or having the decision to maybe combine those into a thing. Yeah. <laughs> or here's a little like uh, anti-canon idea. They could develop Donald Glover's character to be more like Hobie Brown. Hobby, yeah. Hobart, Hobby, whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> yeah, having the Aaron Davis Prowler be more of a anti-hero rather than a straight villain. Yeah, like they could take him in that direction, especially after the conversation that he had with Peter by the car. Yeah. I feel like there's a possibility there for development of that character in a more positive direction. That, I think, ultimately is what they were aiming for with him, too, because, you know, you have the development of him really realizing the crime stuff that he's doing because he lives so near his nephew, yada, yada, yada. It may be pushing him toward maybe being a little better than he is because he is a criminal. Yeah. And you can have him be a bit of a fuck up at first where it's like he's not necessarily good at being a good guy. So he keeps fucking up. Yeah, that's a good starting point for a, a character. arc. I agree with that. But that also seems like because that was established in specifically a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, have that be a spinoff for Sony. Yeah. Have stuff that they've established in the Marvel movies spinoff. Keep things a little more connected rather than trying to do your own universe thing. Yeah, because I feel like if you can start something in a Spider-Man movie and then make a Sony movie developing it further, shouldn't that be the goal of their collaboration of being like, oh, yeah, we take a bit from here and we develop it over here and we take a bit from here and we develop it over here. You know, sharing is caring. Exactly. Sharon is Karen. <laughs> Carry on. That's a that's a Spider-Man villain. He uh, yeah. Anyway, Karen. Um, carry on. Like vulture? No, the vulture vultures eat. That oh, vultures eat carry on. Yes. Yes. Um, but there's a character named Carry on who basically what he anything he touches dies. Oh, does he get eaten by the vulture? Ironically, no. Hmm. It's a missed opportunity at poetry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all. All we need for that. I think that I think we've we've kind of come to the end of of what because there's not really any other Spider-Man characters that they could at least none that we can think of. Well, no, I think I think what they could, they, there's one thing and this is a long shot. This is a really, really big long shot and also possibly a legal issue. Uh, <laughs> um, follow me here. I'll try. Um, Gwenpool. <laughs> Is, I'm sorry, uh, that's what you had to say. Sort of, <laughs> in the wake of of uh, Spider-Gwen's sudden and surprise popularity, they did a joke cover of some comic 
like where Gwen Stacy on the cover was the Deadpool of a universe. Uh, and then that got so much response from like, I don't know, cosplayers and internet fans and just letters, pages. I don't know. People responded to it and insanely positive. then they ended up doing a little comic, like a little holiday special or something with, uh, Gwenpool. And I think, I think there could potentially be the possibility of a Gwenpool movie from Sony. Here's the thing. It didn't just do a holiday comic. It did a whole series. Yeah, after that. After that, they Gwenpool's run just ended. And she's, she, I think she's joined some team now. Right. I forget what team she's on now. But she, the Gwenpool uh, solo series ended and she's part of some other team now. Here's the thing. They could possibly, and this might, this is where it's a long shot because of the legal issue, because of... I mean, there's the Fox and Disney merger and there's the Disney and Sony deal. And there's also fair use. Uh, Gwenpool is technically a parody Mm -hmm. and also technically a Sony character because they own the movie rights to the character of Gwen Stacy, which is what it is. It's the character of Gwen Stacy doing a parody of Deadpool. They're might be enough of a legal loophole there that Sony could, without really getting in any trouble, do a Gwenpool movie if they're a little bit careful about how they do it and they make sure that it's a parody and that it passes the legal definition of a parody. Yeah, but I don't trust them to do that successfully. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> it's all about getting the right writer on it and and really, really being... Very careful. Just the whole idea of them even trying to do that has made me go cross-eyed. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it. That's why I said it's a long. It shot. is the it's longest an extreme shot. long shot, and it's a ridiculous concept. And and how is it a movie? And that's why it should be a movie because, like, why? How? What are you even? What? How? What? What? Yeah, it's such. I, it's I would. Such I would a see it just to see that, how they did it. And yeah, I know I would be disappointed, but I would still be okay with spending money on it because <laughs> because it's such a ridiculous concept and it's like it's taking like it's taking a derivative of a s- side character who died in the 70s uh, yes, yeah uh crossing it over with a comedic d- dark violent thing that's being done by a different studio and it's such it's so complicated it's such a complicated premise that it just, I, I want to see it. It's definitely a thing that could exist. I don't know if it should exist, but it's definitely a pitch. <laughs> it's definitely. Yeah. I'm, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, I want, I want, I want them to try. And I don't care if they fail or succeed because it's such a ridiculous thing that like, even if they fail, it's like, you fucking did it. Yeah, the dumbest and, fucking and you thing, des- and you deserve points for that. Applause, you know, because it's 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 so stupid and it's so stupid on purpose that it works. Like as a concept, as a comic, as a character, it works because it's so ridiculous. Because it is a, a Deadpool derivative, Spider-Man derivative play on a meme of a of a character twist. It's such it's such it's so many layers of stupid <laughs> that it just becomes brilliant. And I I kind of. I feel like there's a movie there if you just 
if you do it right, do it wrong, do get just get someone funny to yeah. do it and and just make it as ridiculous as possible. Just make the most ridiculous movie that you can and just try to top Deadpool. Kate McKinnon is Gwenpool. Oh, we're back to that pool? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just saying something stupid. That's because because the whole idea is inherently insane. Why not just push it to the edge? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and like make it for like a really low budget, like a budget of like the cost of the cameras. <laughs> Lower than the first Deadpool's budget. So you're yeah. just like questioning how it even got made. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. That's the movie. <laughs> You just you uh, throw a little bit of money at like a really weird concept and you just make it like and even if it lo- even if you make it sweeted uh have you seen Be Kind Rewind? Oh yes, I have, of course. Yeah, just make a sweeted movie. Like just keep the budget like really low and just make it the most ridiculous story you can. Just re- centered around the most ridiculous premise and just make it this wacky comedy. I don't know, could work. It's- this basically sounds like uh, what every fan film maker does. <laughs> yeah, sure. But make it an official fan film and throw a little bit of money of it just to get it just above sweeted level. It'll work. <laughs> Perfect. I think that's a brilliant plan. <laughs> yeah. That's going to save Sony. I, that's clearly how we're going to save Sony is by copying what worked for Deadpool and copying the copy from the comics. I think that's yeah. a brilliant idea. I think uh, 100%. But I mean, Sony, first, they, first, you can have that before one. doing that. I mean, obviously, it's back to the whole jumping in at the deep end. Obviously, first you do Spider Gwen, mm-hmm. then you do Gwenpool, then you do Into the Gwenverse. Oh my God. I was just going to say, you're creating a different franchise for them to follow. Just all these different Gwen spinoffs with Emma Stone playing all of them. Gwen Hulk. Sure. Let's just have Gwen Hulk. Let's do that as a thing. And if they can, I mean, I don't know what the deal with the Hulk stuff is in terms of derivative characters because of Universal and yeah. it's really legally complicated and I, I want to solve it, but that's a thing for another time. But yeah, sure. Why not and it's a parody yeah they can do it it's a let let them be parody films let them be straight parody films but let's you know what why stop with marvel let's do bat gwen you know let's let's (laughs) let's do bat gwen why not let's do swamp gwen let's just swamp yes yes swamp gwen 100 swamp gwen and just that's a solo film before the the uh, gwen yes clearly all of these things need to happen just make a Gwen Stacy parody universe. This is how Sony can make. They'll start printing money. That's all that is now. Yeah, that's just. It's, you're welcome, yeah, Sony. Brilliant. This is how. Yeah, we solved you. It. We we've solved your. We've saved your company. Is what we've done. Yeah, yeah. This is. Th- I mean, this is way better than that. Uh, MIB twenty three. No, no, no. This beats the pants off of that. Yeah, like now you've got you've got your ridiculous thing. Get, and if get, like if you can get Lord and Miller, I was just fine. gonna say. I was just gonna say, get Lord and Miller attached to it. It's done. It's a done. Yeah, they're deal. already do- there, or at least one of them. I think both of them doing the the, the Spider Verse movie. So it's already it's uh, they're already in the house. Yeah, awesome, perfect. We figured it out. There you go. Into the Gwenverse, but <laughs> one step at a time. One step at a time. Start with Spider Gwen, and then do Gwenpool, and then, and then do Swamp Gwen. Swamp Gwen. Gwen into the Gwenverse, Bat Gwen, Gwen Arrow. You know, it's fine. All of those things are great. Yes, Gwen Arrow. Come on, that is perfect. <laughs> 
I love it. Gwen Lantern? Gwen Lantern Core. Gwen Lantern Core. Oh my god. Just all of them Gwen Stacy. All of them with different rings. Oh my god. It's amazing. Iron Gwen. Yeah. Just why not? Mighty Morphin Gwen Rangers. <laughs> the Gwenisher. <laughs> Gwenula Untold. <laughs> Yeah, bring bring Universal Dark Dark Universe into this thing. Yeah, why not? The Gwenny. Well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we should stop before we kill each other. Uh, yeah, I mean, we got to the Gwenny. I don't think we can get past that because that doesn't even make sense. Nope, not at I all. Think, I think you broke it. I did. That's fine. It's a good place to stop. Clearly, yep. we are your IP consultants. If you have an IP that you think we should consult on, send us an email at ipconsultantspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at ipconsultpod. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ipconsultpod. Once again, I am Ian. And I'm Vincent. And we will consult with you next time. Say your catchphrase, Vincent. Uh, have a tasteful tuna. Bye.